Hello and welcome to another episode of Promote the Hell Out of It. This is a bonus episode. My name is Miz and this is the podcast where I chat to people worth shouting about. Talk to them about what they're getting up to, how they keep motivated, uh, mistakes they've made and what we can all learn from them. Uh, It was great to get to chat with my mate Joe Booley who started up Beth Shalom Records. They are a big part of the UK DIY scene. I'm not going to say punk scene um, because they work with bands from so many genres, but a few of the standout bands from their roster to me, uh, Bryony Williams just released a really cool record actually. Uh, I Told You I Would Eat You, Lestelle, Pet Cemetery. Uh, they've also in the past worked with Death by Shotgun, Don't Worry, Drawstring, Penthouse, Losing Sleep a bunch of cool bands that form and have formed a big part of the UK DIY scene um, and that I'm a big fan of. Shout out to Rosip Tea House as well. I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch, but uh, go check the rest out. All the links are in the bio. Go buy some records. If you want to support the show, buy me a coffee. Uh, links again in the bio. Enjoy this episode. It was really cool to chat with with Joe. We've been meaning to do this for ages and it just kept not happening. Um, but what with being locked up and stuff, we really didn't have much excuse to, to not get there eventually. So yeah, enjoy. Let me know what you think. I will hit record and we're good to go. How you been? Yeah, not too bad actually. Um... Yeah, just trying to keep busy, really. Um, or That's as busy it. as I can do on furlough. It's a weird, weird time, right? Mm. Yeah, how no, l- very weird. How long have you been on furlough now? Um, this time round, only since December. Um, but like, I've been on and off furlough since last March. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of just having chunks of working, chunks of not, depending on where London is on the tiers if we're locked down or anything it's just yeah as the government wishes it really yeah there's been little gaps where you can at least get out and find some semblance of normality and then it it just goes back into uh into complete mayhem and it's weird like even even the gap that there was i didn't really do anything because you just got used to being inside and then uh, people kind of went wild as well so then didn't really want to go out either. <laughs> so how are you keeping busy? Uh, just just doing label stuff, really. Like, um, it, it's, it's quite nice because um, me and my wife, we're both kind of locked down together, which isn't too bad. And so, like, I mean, when it's warmer, I like to go out and skate a bit. Um, but, yeah, go out and walks with mates. But yeah, just trying to keep busy with music stuff and actually take the opportunity to for that to be what I do, as opposed to only do it when I'm working full time. That's it. That's it. And yeah. and we'll get onto that because I'm interested in seeing how like your plans for scaling up and how much you want to scale up. It's it's all it's all interesting. But I think um starting off with what made you want to start a label? Because it, yeah, it's so- a lot that goes into it. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're like, it's so I like 
I myself have been like a solo artist since uh, I started releasing stuff in 2011, 2012. Um, and it got to a point when I was in college and I, I kind of wanted to start like shopping around for a label to represent me. Yeah. Um, and one of my lecturers turned around to me and just said, well, you're basically already your own label. You're distributing yourself. You're getting yourself press coverage. You're making physical copies. You're doing everything that like someone else would do for you. Um, yeah. And then I thought, yeah, why like why don't I just put a name to what I was already doing? Um, and because I was producing friends at college or like in my bedroom, I like I was I was sort of I was making music that wasn't my own as well. So yeah, those people that I was producing for ended up being some of the early releases alongside myself when I did start the label. So yeah, in college, I kind of like hashed out a plan of like a first few releases, which would have been me for the first two and then a couple of mates. And yeah, it's all started in 2014 now. Um, and so, how much of what you first did was digital versus physical? I So like, it was only my own music that was physical. And even then it was like, I was, it was all like hand burnt, cds and like yeah. i would use my typewriter to type out like the track listing on every single copy I did, there, like, yeah. <laughs> I did like a run of 50 cds like that and it took me weeks <laughs> um yeah like i i don't think i could do that now i wouldn't have the patience um but yeah so it was like almost i think it was only my releases that were physical at that point and everything else was on Bandcamp only apart from a very very few releases were on iTunes and Spotify at that point. Um, so yeah, I think when it got to like our 10th release and we started sort of like delving into the sort of UK emo grunge sort of scene that yeah. that's when like we started off doing like physical copies for people, but they were like mainly reissues before we started doing like smaller, um, smaller like releases coming out. And and what was the the thought process behind that? Was it just because it was more financially viable to to do that? I uh, yeah, I guess like, I mean the the fact of doing like reissues was mainly because like I knew that certain bands were like working on new material, but it wasn't ready to release. But I still wanted to do something with them, and like by getting their fans to recognize me as as like some connection to the band doing a like tape reissue and then potentially going on to do like their next EP or their next on or their album on like vinyl or cassette like forming that relationship kind of made sense doing it that way and then sort of building up to the like current releases they were working on um so financially it wasn't like it wasn't a fact of like oh it, it will be better for us to start doing reissues and build up money that way it was kind of like building the relationship first no um, that makes complete sense and that relationship is really important and and i think just having labels that that are starting out with artists who are starting out working together mm. is such an yeah. important thing to have for the scene right because oh, yeah, it's, definitely it's so disheartening when you re you like make music and you don't know what to do with it and not everyone has the the background or or even the self-esteem to go promote their own own material like i did my own pr for ages and having to big yourself up is a horrible like like yeah, it's, it's mental it's tough. Fuck. like yeah. 
And like for, for me as a solo artist, it was like, because I was my own label, I was doing all my PR, like there's only been one campaign where like I've had someone external do something for myself. Um, but like I, I made like fake emails for like <laughs> my booking agent and stuff like that, but it was still all me. Cause like, I, I just got told quite early on that, like, if, if someone else is representing you, it proves that people believe in you. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll just make up like a name. And I, I just use my middle name. And my <laughs> mum's maiden name as to do. I like think Isaac we've all Bevan tried that. Something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's an old school trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. I've had varied success. I think it's, it's weird. And something that I like to talk about a lot in the punk scene is professionalism because mm it's it's a scene that's all built around the ethos of being quite scrappy and like quite punk rock yeah. and but knowing how to to send a good email and how to be professional oh, yeah, when yeah. you're trying to actually get shit done is so mm. important right and i don't yeah, think it's no, a lesson it's... that anyone gets taught really no it's it's like it's a bit of a weird one the sort of like particularly uk diy like punk scene it's like it is all sort of like uh, put to like put together in a very rough way, if rough way, not necessarily the music, but like the whole organization of some bands and like tours and stuff like that, which I, I get, I've done that a lot, yeah. but um, like it kind of gets to a point where I, I guess you could look at like someone like gender roles as like a very good example of that. They were like early on, it was this very sort of like scrappy band, but now as they've sort of built up, they have to have this form of pro professionalism, um, yeah, for even sure. though they're, they're still like at, at their core, the same band that put out Planet X-Ray. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like that. I, I love that about them. I had um, a, I had a chat with someone and we were talking about this. I don't want to say who it is because I'm not sure what order the episodes are all coming out at the moment because the, the booking's getting mad. Um, but we were chatting about the, the concept of selling out and it's like, mm. It's weird because it's like not wanting people to do well. And you're not talking yeah. about like the people haven't changed. It's mm. just like sometimes polishing certain areas off and like bands like Propagandi, for example, who like, yeah, uh, they like drew that line quite well. They never sold out, always mm. kept themselves, but they had to find ways to make money and like, yeah, exactly. it, right? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a very fine line. And like, I think different people have sort of like different levels at, w at which they'd see like a band is selling out. Like I've had people say that like a band signing to Beth Shalom is selling out. Before, what? And I'm like, is, <laughs> what? what are you on about? It's just like, I'm just one person. It's not like a massive team behind that person. Um, well, then there's the, just... whole, the whole conversation of DIY and whether a band's mm. DIY, if, if they've got someone helping them, which like I, yeah. I, I kind of get, but, surely if if the label's diy as well you're yeah. all diy you're all like a, a collective yeah exactly you're not DIY like, in a band anyway there's four of you <laughs> yeah and it, even like i mean you look at labels like big scary monsters like and i i would say that like they are probably still a diy label i mean it's just like four people who love the music do yeah. it yeah and like but so many people would see because they're a label that have been around for like 20 years now and have that sort of establishment within the scene or have X amount of Facebook likes or Instagram followers, like people would see that as like selling out, but no way <laughs> it's that they're, they're just a label who love music and want to help bands. They're not, 
they're not universal. <laughs> um, so when you started like, releasing physical yeah. stuff, um, mm-hmm. you must have started then to get more expectations from the bands that are coming to you. Yeah, I like it was it was quite a weird one because we started doing uh, like only take releases initially. So like in the first sort of like six months of doing physical releases, we we probably did about um, maybe 10 to 15 different releases on cassette. Um, and a few of them were reissues as well. And then we did our first final in like the December of that year. Nice. Um, and so like there was there was this sort of like wave of like people coming to us wanting to do cassette tapes, which was really cool. And it was weird to then become like the cassette label that <laughs> came to. Um, and like, I feel like a lot of labels that are sort of like coming out, like have that period where that's what they can afford. Yeah. So for that period of time, they become the cassette label within that scene or something like that. And it was, it was very weird to have so many people come to us wanting that. Um, but then like the expectation that like, because we were so busy that we would definitely do that release. And it's like, no, like we, we, we still need to be careful, man. Um, yeah, that's, that's but, it. Yeah. But particularly like, as we sort of stepped into doing vinyl and even though we were doing it like collectively with like different labels, um, which is a classic DIY thing which i love I, it i love, I think it's so I, I love and miss i, I miss it yeah. in some ways um but it was like as we started to do vinyl the expectations of not not just like new artists we we were taking on but like some of the artists that we were already working with um that like sadly may not have been at that point but like i i would love to do all of our releases on vinyl i think that's every label's dream but um yeah it's the expectations that artists come to labels with is sometimes a bit odd. Um, yeah. I think it's important to think about like just how much goes into it financially mm. as well. And like, I know that bands are like skin and uh, so much money goes into practice. And when you come across yeah. a label that likes your stuff, you're like so grateful, but yeah, what, um, just having some, I guess, some level of knowing where you're at as a band and and what that is going to cost the label and how much they are likely to sell um yeah. it's important yeah no it definitely is and i think like def- definitely as we've sort of like um got further down a journey as a label we've sort of come to realize that um there are bands which like we can release vinyl for but like out of a run of 300 we might only sell 100 copies like maximum so like through that we then had to look at like different suppliers that we could do 100 or 150 copies in a cheap in like a fairly cost effective way um and that that's why like over the last few years that's why we we've got a few more well a lot more vinyl releases <laughs> than than we had like back then um, back in like 2016, 17, like 2019 and 20, we we releasing a lot of vinyl, um, which is awesome. But yeah, it's like, we, it took us a while to get to that point and evaluating different things, suppliers as well. Um, yeah, it all had to fit into place. Um, and have you seen, it didn't, 
Having seen a direct correlation in sale of vinyls between people not being able to get out and gig. Um, see, it's an odd one because like 2020, like considering we were going to have like 40 shows that we were running as a yeah. label, um, like considering a loss of revenue in that in that sense, last year was still our most successful financial year. That's awesome. Um, and it's like Bandcamp Fridays were very helpful in that sense. Um, and like we started working with a physical distributor, which means that like our stuff is in stores. So that's as opposed to having to go to each store individually ourselves, it just made it so much easier. And that was extra money that we wouldn't have got otherwise. Um, amazing. So yeah, it's, it is like, I can imagine it's a lot more frustrating for the artists, obviously, but yeah. like from our point of view, we, we've been able to shift a large amount of copies of some records that like maybe the band wouldn't even have been able to shift that amount in that time. That's um, great. That's great. So, what was the process yeah. into getting uh, the distributor? Cause that's really cool. Yeah, it was sort of, it was something that I'd wanted to explore for a while and like I'd gone back and forth with a few people previously, but um, yeah, it was just a case of um, I, I'm working with a company called Code 7 um, and they're really great um, and they've previously worked with like specialist subject records. Um, yes. And so I, I chatted to them about it um, and they put me in touch, which was really nice of them. Um, and so, yeah, we've been working together for the last six months or so. Um, and it's been really fun because like the, the first release that we actually did with them, um, we, we sold out of all of our copies of um, vinyl. So the only ones left are the ones in like Rough Trade, Amazon, Resident nice. down in Brighton. So that is like... Is that the Brownie Williams it, record? Brownie Williams, yes. Yeah. So yeah, that, that is record. really helpful, helpful for like them as well because everyone's going to be going through like the places that the physical distributor sorted. Um, so like, it's a nice, like mutually beneficial relationship in that sense, because like we, we tried to keep quantity quite limited anyway. Um, so that there's not too much left over or anything like that. So then like with the Brownie Williams release, we only did 150. So we kept 75 sold out like 10 days after the release came <laughs> out. And then um, everyone's just rushing over to rough trade and stuff like that. And it's, it's quite nice to look at rough trade and then like every few weeks it says notify me instead of order now, because like that, that's when they're waiting for more stock. Um, so that, that's a really nice feeling when, when I get to see that and the fact that people are like still going and buying from these places. That's really um, cool. Yeah. Um, there must have been a, a few records now because you've worked on so many um where you've had that kind of like buzz moment of being like holy crap this is kind of like popping more than more mm. than you maybe even initially thought are there any that, that stand out to you like that yeah the uh i mean the first the first final we did um was a band called drawstring um yeah, who aren't around anymore um but yeah, so that that was a really fun release, and that was um, yeah, it was great to see that response. But since then, the Rose at Tea House release was mental. So uh, like I, like I came across that band because we played the house show together in Cardiff, like <laughs> on one of on one of my tours, 
and at that point they were just a free piece they didn't like the drummer was playing keyboards at that time but it's like to put out those two singles and then off the back of that like being able to go to like made avail with them and like record like a radio one session was nuts that's so cool um, but yeah there's like loads of ones that stand out i mean pet lib a parachute for Gorda and yacht club getting into like Kerrang and all getting like 4Ks <laughs> is like mental. Um, and like I have like three copies of each issue that they were in like, <laughs> on my bookshelf as well. You would, of um, course. <laughs> yeah, so like that that kind of stuff is like super cool. Um, and then the Bryony Williams one um, were, was pretty crazy to like um, sell out of our records that quick after the release as well. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot, lot of releases where it's like the the buzz just was unexpected. Um, How much uh, momentum do you notice pick up for the actual label when stuff like that happens? Uh, depending on the release, so if it's sort of like a band which is sort of from the UK, like a DIY scene, and like a lot of those people would already be aware of us. Yeah. Um, with those kind of releases, we might see a bit of buzz come back to us, but like for the most part, we're all just pushing to the same demographic. Yeah. But it's releases like Rose Hip Tea House. Um, yeah, Rose Hip Tea House, the Bryony Williams release, Listel, which we've got coming out at the end of this month. Um, all those uh, like releases weren't really in the sort of like our main demographic of people that we've previously um had interest in the label so that's been really nice to see the buzz come off the back of that and be able to like see see records go off to like uh crazy places like the Bryony williams one we sold like five to ten records over in australia nice and like so that that was kind of really cool um but that music does well over there, to be honest. It is a, yeah, like there's a yeah. cool there's a cool scene. I've, I that's what chatted. Courtney Barnett milk yeah for milk sure records. for sure. There's so many cool bands and they're all really supportive of each other. I had um mm. Luke from Violent Soho was on. Um, oh, sick! Yeah, yeah, he was the last episode. Um, but there's like yeah, I've got into loads of artists like Bugs. I'm not sure if you've checked them out. They're really cool. Um, and Dune Rats as well are another cool. Oh band yeah, from, I know Dune Rats. Yeah, there's that's yeah, they just got a cool um very sloppy rock and roll mm. scene that is kind of sort just of fun. Nice garagey yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's fun no that's that's really cool have you had the opportunity to go in and find your records in a shop yet with lockdown uh not in <coughs> not in lockdown yet i <laughs> like we we've previously had stuff in like rough trade and stuff like that but that's been like when i physically take a box of records yeah. with me like <laughs> after emailing them a few days before and they're like oh yeah we'll take two copies of each of these that's but like cool. um so that that's really cool like at one point rough trade in bristol had a load of our records and they had like a section which just said beth shalom records <laughs> and it was <laughs> nice. just a load of our stuff and like occasionally i would get like mates or artists who were playing rough trade in bristol like just take pictures of like no <laughs> <laughs> um so that, that, that's been quite fun <laughs> yeah um but it's like it, it's been weird not being able to go to record shops um in like the last year um and i i really miss it i really miss it i miss browsing um but it's like i've been trying to replace that with sort of buying from independent record shops online or um going direct to the artist um 
yeah, it's just 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 a bit of a weird one. Yeah, really. I know, right. Um, how how have you been getting on with um like the live streams? Do you get on with watching bands live stream? So I've only like there's only been one show which I've like paid money to see, and that was um the Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes one oh, cool. at Brookston Academy, and that was that was pretty mad. Um, and it was like all VR and like the crowd were on oh, screens. Cool. Um, uh, so yeah, that was pretty nuts. Um, but like apart from that, I've tuned into like some of the specialist subjects, ones yeah. that they did sort of earlier last year or earlier into lockdown. Um, they're really fun, but like, I, I don't know, Louisiana in, in Bristol has been doing a load of live streams and that's been cool to like find out about some more like cool bands from that area yeah. as well. But yeah, I, I don't know. It just like tuning into live streams. It isn't, it isn't the first thing I think to do because like I'm, I'm always one to sort of like watch a live video over like a music video. Yeah. Um, usually, um, but it's just having to be there at that certain time. Like I might be like busy doing emails or something like that or eating dinner. Like, um, but it's nice cause I can always come back to it on like Facebook and stuff. Um, yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's, it's weird because I think we were all so used to just having YouTube and like tiny desk and mm. stuff like that, that unfortunately don't seem like a special experience. It's just like watching yeah tiny desk on your screen and like unless someone does something like crazy um mm. and i think that's been a bit of a shame i think if we hadn't been so used to to just having access to live videos whenever we yeah. wanted it would have felt like oh we're getting ready for a gig let's like have a few drinks and like yeah exactly. message some mates but it's been a weird um i watched uh vinny from i am the avalanche do an acoustic set with oh cool people, uh, and landy um who just released mm. the new uh the new record that was uh their record's great yeah really Lo really good love that record really good there's a lot of good records that have come out uh mm. don't worry's record uh re track that they released was really good as well um, is that um it's all magic or something yeah like. yeah that was really, really, cool. really cool they're a great band i love don't worry yeah they're cool they're cool yeah. they're cool and they're hard working as well um mm. so with the you've mentioned how you gain more momentum when you kind of release things that are outside the DIY or the, the people that you're constantly selling to. And I think that's, yeah. that's obvious marketing. Like if you've, if you've only got the same audience and you're only sort of able to sell mm. to them, it's never going to expand. Um, yeah. was kind of releasing different genres, a marketing thing from the start because you knew it would be easier to grow the label or was it just cause you like lots of different types of music? It's, it's just because I like lots of different music. Nice. Like it's, I, I kind of want the label, like particularly the artists that we work with on the label to sort of like, um, uh, if people were to look at it, they'd see my music taste. Um, like, yeah. <laughs> and th that, that's why we've got everything from like, I mean, we, if you think about it, we put out Rose at Tea House and like around that, we were also releasing singles from Pet Lib, which was like experimental, like metal. Yeah. Um, so it's like th those are like the like opposite ends of the spectrum, like that you'd expect someone to do. But those are like I could flip between those on Spotify so easily. Yeah. Um. Uh. And that like I it it wasn't like when I started the label, it wasn't something like right. I want to do metal. I want to do emo trap. I want to do dream pop. Like it all kind of like as I kind of settled into 
doing the label, I was like, actually, this is what I want to do with it. Um, yeah. And it is, it's been really nice to see people's openness and their response to like the fact that we could drop anything at any time. Um, and really they cool. don't know. Um, but yeah. And like la- labeling us as like genre fluid, that was, that that's how I see it. I don't see it as like, I, yeah, I, I just see it as something that can change. And no, you know, it, it makes, it, it makes complete sense. And that, yeah, I've always found the concept a bit odd, you know, and the UK is really, really weird for it because we divide things up, but like ultra divide it up. Like yeah. we will have like the punk scene, you go to gigs and it's not even like a pop punk and an indie punk band. Like yeah. even those are separate from each other most of the time. Yeah. Um, unless you go to like stuff like Washed Out Festival or like um, oh, just, yeah. there's obviously some amazing stuff where you get uh, more variety. But for yeah, ages, definitely. it seemed like you could only go to an emo show and mm. they wouldn't play with pop punk bands. It was like a separate thing. Yeah. To it me, that to makes no sense. Like, like I listen yeah. to hip hop. I listen to like grunge music. Mm. I listen to pop punk. I listen to metal. I listen to all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that the, there's a lot, f- like, I think a lot of people do. I think yeah, a lot no. of people do. So it, it makes it a more inclusive supported thing if you can support like all these different artists as opposed to just like grunge and emo artists. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's quite nice because like a lot of the artists that we work with that aren't with aren't like doing emo or like punk stuff, like you you look at someone like um uh Joey from I Told You I'd Eat You, we also work with them as ACAB Brick, which is yeah. like 100 Gex kind of like fun hip hop. Um, and then like Autumn Boy as well, like he has a background in um, like deathcore and like <laughs> metalcore bands. Um, but now he's doing like sick emo trap stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, it, it's, it's that kind of stuff where like I, I think everyone's kind of like, into so many different things that it just makes sense to have a place where people can people can come to us and they could click on anything and enjoy it yeah, um instead of absolutely. like and and also not expect it like <laughs> if they were just putting us on if they were putting like a bsr playlist on shuffle there wouldn't be any expectations that they'd hear pop punk or yeah anything like that um yeah no absolutely and i think that for a while like it it can drain you. Like I was going to so many shows, especially being in a band and listening to bands that all kind of sounded similar, all yeah. really good bands, but similar that I kind of wasn't excited for new records because mm. you kind of know what's coming up. Yeah. Um, and that's why like I started kind of looking outside and it's really cool. Like, as I say, there's, I think it's becoming more normal for that to be a thing. And a lot of people are like happy releasing side projects that are completely yeah, different yeah. to like a punk like but for a while it was like yeah you can't release like a r&b project if you're in a punk band like what are you yeah. doing right <laughs> but it's 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 quite nice from like our point of view because it's like because we're not that set thing like with with joey like we if we were just doing emo like it probably wouldn't make sense for us to yeah, put out exactly. a brick stuff but the fact that we can have that extended relationship with anyone is really helpful, I think. Yeah. Um, 
not only to them but to us um it's nice to sort of explore different things and like every every genre that we end up working with is a different learning curve as well yeah um, of course like especially with press it must be like who do yeah. you reach out to how's how's that been yeah it's it's been quite interesting because it's like uh for the most part like um we've always done our own press um but like for some of the bigger releases over the years and there was a point that we had like a pr company on retainer um but it's, it's yeah it's like going into a project i will look at who's on our database and sort of make a list of the people that it will appeal to most um and like that that's how i approach every project and then those are the people which i send this to those are the people that i send this to but like it is quite nice that a lot of press outlets are open to like different things as well in the same way that we are um so like the like there's a new um like print magazine called hardbeat and the fact that like they had a massive feature on like church road records which is like mostly like hardcore stuff but then like they had a cab brick as <laughs> like awesome. a review which is like really really sick but because joey is part of i told you i'd eat you it makes sense that it's all part of that thing because people know i told you i'd eat you so in turn they will probably like a cab brick in some way yeah um yeah, yeah. it's really nice i think just it's it, yeah like i say it's very few people that are one dimensional enough to only like one kind of music mm. um, i think what can happen is when you're not expecting it and you like when you hear an artist is releasing a new something new and you're not expecting it to be different and you're yeah. excited for a new punk song and then they come out with something different i think that's where people sometimes get upset and because we have access to the internet they go and moan about it and it's <laughs> it seems like no one likes it um but yeah, it's really easy for people to moan online. So yeah, <laughs> but it's like, um, if they, if they don't like it, they don't have to listen to it. That, this that's is it. Though. So the nice thing, it's not like the only way that you can listen to something now is in a physical format. Yeah, like you can just skip it and go back to what you do enjoy listening to. Whereas, like back in the day, you would have had to buy the record to have to listen to it. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. What about adjusting to? Uh, and having to adjust quite quickly to not being able to do the live shows last year. Um, it was, it was a lot of frustration, I guess. Yeah, it was like we, we had, we had a lot of big shows lined up. We had like, we were going to put on a showcase as part of like the old escape, um, down in Brighton. Um, and we had lots of bands that were then due to play like washed out and stuff like that. Um, so it was it was really difficult um from that point of view because i'm also like a booking agent as well so like i we have a sort of live arm of special on records called let's stop hanging out diy yeah. um and so like i i started that with um another mate that runs a label called rose colored records and um nice. it's sort of become what special on shows run under um but yeah the amount of stuff that we had lined up and then it was a very quick adjustment. Like on March 20th, um, it got announced that we were going into lockdown and we had a show the next day. Um, oh. And that that was actually for one of my bands. So like everyone else was that, like the rest of my band is down in Plymouth. Um, so it's like, 
they they'd taken the time off work and then they couldn't come up for the show everything had to be cancelled yeah it was just a bit crazy really <laughs> you must have to be pretty organized when when you've got like releases and your tours clashing for example mm. to have everything yeah. uh sorted have you taught yourself to do like mar- did you study marketing or business or any no. that kind of stuff no so i like i did i did business a level and failed my first year and <laughs> dropped it um and yeah, so I, I like the only bit of marketing training I've ever done was like um one module in like my performance, uh, my like BTEC performance course. Um, and that that was quite fun. Um, but it's like it's all I've all always learned by experience. That's the that's the way that I prefer to learn and by like actually doing something. Um, so like I never went to uni or anything like that. I kind of just got on with the label um and it's kind of got to a point where i know how to build a campaign i know like um know when to do certain things within that campaign like go out to press and like market certain bits so it's um yeah it's got to it's it's built up to this point where i am competent that's awesome um, and like that i have a mate called george um who he was in Pet Lib, Pet Library, and he is in a band called Deaf Goals. Yeah. Um, that I also manage. Um, and he sort of helps me out on like the PR side of things. And his full-time job is like digital marketing. Oh, so awesome. like he, he's come on board and sort of like um fine-tuned all our all our like ad sets and stuff like that because I, I kind of just like chucked them together, like this, this is what makes sense to me. Yeah, of course. And he was like, all right, if we change these, like um so that that's been super handy having him on board and to sort of like um ha- have some advice on like how best to do things. And it is quite nice because if we want to promote like certain posts or certain bands, it's all there just waiting for us to press one button. We know it's gonna go to the right people or hopefully yeah. go to the right people. Yeah. Um no, it's Sorry. really important. And I, I like, yeah, I'm a huge fan of, uh, cause I do marketing for work. Mm. Um, and ad spend is something that you can spend so much time trying to find too. Yeah. But when you get it right, it, it, it is worth it. Um, yeah, it no, just takes a lot of messing around with a lot of messing around with. Um, mm. and what about, cause obviously there's the experience side of things like learning, like how everything works and how to reach mm. out to people and who to reach out to. But there's also then the the side that we talked about before of records that do quite well. Have you yeah. seen like more doors open, like as you get these records that do well and like get records that sell out? Do you find it then easier to talk to b- bigger publications, easier to reach out to people? Oh yeah, definitely. And I it's is like it's really nice to be able to do that, like having sort of like personal contacts with like um Hugh Stevens's producer few through um the Rose at Tea House uh release like and Marigold's being played on there and actually like being able to send stuff directly to that person. Obviously Hugh Stevens isn't at Radio One anymore, which is a shame. Um but like yeah it's been cool to sort of like as releases have sort of grown to have those relationships that we can go to that person like potentially get coverage instead of just having a shot in the dark yeah um so yeah that's super helpful and the same with like Kerrang and stuff because we've had like i think four or five artists like featured in print now so it's like it's 
really cool to be able to go to the guys over there and like pitch it to them like instead of just sending it to like a generic email yeah um yeah and so, how long did that take to develop how long was it before you like you felt comfortable sending things and knowing that they were actually getting seen it was probably only last year that i felt confident um like and that that probably grew over like two or three years like since since we started doing those sort of bigger releases which took off a bit more um but yeah it's just nice to like when you're when you're sort of lining up releases to be able to sit down with the artists and say this is probably the minimum I can get, but this is what I'll also try to get. Yeah, um, of course. And whereas there will probably be like other labels who are like paying for radio pluggers, which is useful and stuff like that, but it's just so expensive. Um, but we can sit here as like a DIY label and say, right, we've got a personal contact at Radio One. Let's shoot this over to them. As long as we get regional support, there's a possibility they'll play it. Um, and like that, that's, that's the kind of conversations that we wouldn't have been able to have like four years ago. Um, that's so, really cool. And considering yeah. that, what has, what made you persevere and continue like through the time when you weren't getting replies from like the bigger mm. people and throughout that time, what made you want to carry on doing it? I think it was just like, um, yeah, I, I, it's difficult. I, I don't ever see this stopping. And it's sort of like, I think just learning from like being an artist myself that there will be a lot of times where people don't reply, like you get shut down fairly quickly. So like, I knew that that was going to be a part of the label process as well. And so like, I'd already been through the stages that maybe some of the artists that we were working with we're going through at that point because I'd already been doing that myself for like four or five years. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it's, it's not fun obviously, but um, like it, it definitely, it, it gives you a bit, a bit thicker skin. Like, so then when like really cool stuff does come through, it's just super exciting. Yeah. Um, and so just getting like down about, maybe not even have any having any press coverage for one of the singles off the record but no. then like when the record comes out you're getting like radio one play and yeah. that's sick and i think that the thing is a lot of people give up before they've had the chance to to mm -hmm. get past that kind of hurdle you know like if you've yeah. been emailing people for two three years by year four they're bound to be like who's this person that's been emailing for four years if you give up yeah. by year three you yeah, might have yeah, just yeah. dismissed that uh, and I think a lot that happens to a lot of like companies and like small labels and bands as well, bands who get frustrated because they're, they're not like getting anywhere. Um, mm. And sometimes if it's having like, you need to prove your passion and also just how much you learn during that time. Like by yeah, the time definitely. you are in contact with Quran, you're way more professional than if they'd have mm. like replied the first year. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like four years ago, it would have just been like, right, we're putting out this. And like, just had a bit about like a paragraph about it, but now it's like, okay, here's a press release. Here's a track that we would love reviewed or the album that we'd love reviewed. Also, here's a download. If you want to put it on your phone, like I, I know not to attach things anymore, yeah, which yeah. is super handy. Um, but it's like, cause for me, when like bands approach me, I really like putting stuff on my phone and just like being able to walk around and listen to like unreleased yeah. stuff. Um, 
And like, so I kind of like consider that when approaching press because they might be the exact same way way that I, I like to listen to music and listen to new music instead of just having to go onto a link every time and I may not have data or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I get you. But, no, it's, it's interesting. Um, I find it weird because there's so much to like reaching out to people that is also dependent on on the person you know we get we get annoyed at people not replying sometimes and it's like never knowing how busy they are that week how many emails they've had uh what their state of mind is like there's like a million and one things that go into it and we're so reliant Mm. on uh social media now and also like the like the fake pretense that that gives off sometimes like you could have emailed someone the same day put out a really nice like instagram post and you're like, yeah. why the hell are they like putting out an Instagram post and they haven't <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. um, and yeah, we, it's weird. Like, that's why I think it's so important to persevere with this stuff and like keep messaging people and keep sending emails and yeah, definitely. work on it. Like, and also I, like, I find it really handy with stuff like that to set like, um, like I'll send like 10, 20 emails in a day and be like, cool. If mm-hmm. one person replies, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the exact same yeah. and then it's like then when you come to follow up on like the people that didn't reply if two of them come back Ex- to you that's it that's sick that's yeah. it whilst I yeah. used to send one email out and then get down about them not replying and it's like yeah. well yeah obviously you've just like the chances of one yeah, person exactly. replying especially if you've emailed like a really big label yeah <laughs> mm. no definitely so what comes next what's what's the the idea for scaling up or do you how much do you want to scale up um, I mean, yeah, we, we obviously want to scale up and like, we've, we've kind of taken big steps in like the last year with like the physical distributor. Um, we also work with awesome distro now, so they will handle awesome. all of our, um, all of our fulfillment. So I don't have to worry about reference awesome. to the post office or anything like that. Um, and like particularly last year, because we had so many orders, so much of my t- time on the label was just spent packing stuff. So <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Yeah, uh, like everyone feels it, but like working with someone like that, it means that I can like all the storage is taken care of. So me living in a one bedroom flat doesn't matter now. Like all the vinyl is out of the house. Um, And so I can just concentrate on press, like actually working with the bands, taking time to like sit down with them on calls. Um, And also last year we announced that we are... um, carbon neutral and sustainable as well which is like that 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 was um something that like i think has been building up for a while like from us doing like eco um vinyl runs and stuff like that through to sort of like what is needed in like the sort of fashion world as well in terms of like garments and stuff that are used um and yeah it, it was it was something that that is that was long needed um and it is it's really cool to to have have that as like a big thing for us and pit like since we announced that we've had people come into us merely because we are that's amazing label which is really sick um and it's really cool because like as far as i can tell we are potentially the first in the uk to do that Oh, that's really um, cool. Which is nuts. Um, but so yeah, that that was kind of like uh, one of our steps up. Um, and then from here, it's just it's kind of just a case of building 
our brand, building our roster up and stuff like that. And um, we're, we're looking at more long-term uh, projects as opposed to like four years ago where we might have just been looking, right, we'll do this EP. Um, and then if you want to go off and do something else with another label, cool. Um, whereas now we're thinking of like, we're sitting down with artists and like they've just released an EP and then we're saying like, okay, album in 2022 then? Um, and sort of, sort of approaching things like nice. that and like looking to build teams around artists as well as opposed to like, so then that takes weight off our shoulders as opposed to us doing everything. That way we can build like a dedicated team for that person. And then everyone's sort of doing their own job and can concentrate fully on that. Um, That's really so cool. yeah, we, we kind of want to get to a point where, where we're working with artists, um, on that side of things as well um and yeah it, like it would just be nice to um be doing more vinyl as well um awesome. like well that that's obviously a huge goal um but yeah it's it's really nice because we're we're able to do like lathe cuts a lot for bands um and even for like smaller bands who can't we we just can't afford to do vinyl four like we we can press 25 lathe cuts for them like really cool. fairly easily um so yeah uh we would like to scale up but how big is like i have no clue um it's I, enjoying I, the I, journey I like, as well yeah i like I, I like how we're doing it right now it would just be nice to do this as like a job really that yeah that's, I completely that, that's get the it. goal that's the goal, I think, as opposed to like, right, I want to have this massive like 10 person team running the label. Like, uh, that's not. This is it. And scaling up brings other problems as well, right? Like, mm. I'm not sure. Do you do contracts with your artists at the moment? Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the bigger the contracts get, the more like complex that, like, all that yeah, stuff exactly. gets, right? Like, so. Yeah. Um, when did you decide to start doing contracts? Was that because of a specific record you were, you were releasing? Uh, so, like, it is it's been very weird with contracts over the years like to start with we did like distribution deals solely for like specific records then we stopped doing them because we were sort of just doing one-off releases with a lot of people so it was like we're just sending an email agreement there were a few situations where that wasn't enough and like artists would try to take advantage of that fact um which they were fully in their right to do because it wasn't legally con like there wasn't a legal contract there which is super difficult um and that sort of like just woke us up to the fact like we need to do contracts for everything we do from here um just because we don't we want to avoid situations like that again yeah um, for sure for sure and like it's we're we're in a nice position where like we are able to offer like a really artist friendly contract where like on all digital we do 70% to the artist and like all physical is 50-50 which is like talking to a lot of other labels seems to be a lot higher, particularly on the digital front that like others do. Um, so yeah, that that's really cool. And um, it's nice that we're at a point where we can support a band fully and we confront all the money as opposed to like asking bands to sort of chip in half a PR or something like that. Yeah. We're able to do everything for the bands. That's awesome. Um yeah. That's really good to hear. And I'm I'm really happy that it's it's continued to grow in the way it has. Mm. And and also that you were able to um to adapt to the situation last year, you know, because it's 
it's yeah. important to be able to like like you say you're on furlough spend more time on something and not just like yeah get down which is easy to do as well considering what's going on yeah um, exactly yeah. So uh, last thing, I guess, is um, any releases that you're excited about and want to plug? Anything that's yeah. coming up you want to shout about? Uh, so um, I, today we released a new single from a band called Our Nameless Boy, and that's the first single from their debut album, uh, awesome. which is out in June. Um, and so we're like we're doing that on vinyl and we've got our own um, like eco vinyl with black splatter. So like. The black splatter we know is going to be on the record, but like it might be blue around that, it might be white. We have no clue what will come through. Um, so that's really cool. Um, so that's out June 4th. And the single is called Check Your Smile. Um, and then at the end of this month, alongside Year of the Rat Records, we're releasing the Listel record, which if cool. you love post-hardcore, melodic hardcore, it's incredible. Um, it's easily going to be one of my eps of the year um and like we've already sold about 60 percent of our variant oh um, nice and then we've got loads in like rough trade and stuff like that if people want a different copy um and then yeah we got new music coming out from autumn boys soon kern parks um we got some like fun reissues that we're doing each month we've started like a reissue series where we work with an artist on a release which hasn't been put out on vinyl before and we do like just on sale for that month we do live cuts um so people can get a 12 inch record that's really cool and everything um and so the people that really want that record on vinyl can get it um at that point um so yeah we we've got a lot of fun things um planned towards the end of the year um hopefully when shows open up but yeah um i yeah, I don't know how much I can say about that, but yeah, gonna, of course, <laughs> there, there's going to be a big show at the end of the year, or shows, should I say? Like excited, yeah, yeah, excited to hear more about it. And I hope everything works out. Uh, any links of anything that has come out or comes out in the next week or two, whilst this gets edited and drops, uh, send mm-hmm. over my way, and I'll yeah, include we'll it in the footnotes as well, so that people nice. can go straight to them. Um, Joe, really cool. it's been absolutely awesome chatting to yeah. you. Um, yeah, and fun, I'm excited for shows to be back and we can hang out properly oh, and grab a beer <laughs> yeah finally <laughs> thank you for checking out that episode of the podcast I hope you enjoyed it make sure to leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or just send us a message a DM tell a mate share an Instagram story, any of that helps. And if you really, really, really want to support, buy us a coffee in the link underneath. And please make sure to check out all the links and releases from Beth Shalom Records. I really enjoyed chatting to Joe and seeing what they've been getting up to, how they're expanding, what their plans are. And there are some awesome records in there. So yeah, buy records. It's a a good way to spend money, I think something like that. Uh, Anyway, catch you next time.